0: Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on and finish up the series we've been doing on Meals with Jesus. Um, so this is 15 weeks in. Uh, it's funny, whenever I get to, um, I would say most of the time, when I get to the end of this series I kind of miss it because I've, I've enjoyed, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've enjoyed preparing and studying and doing all the things that happened um, for this series uh, and I, I think it's been a, a fascinating journey. We've looked through the Gospel of Luke together. And um, we saw how central meals were to Jesus' ministry in the eyes of Luke. That's what he talks about. Jesus is pretty much either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal throughout the entire gospel. We've we've spent our time looking at it, and I've said all along, there's so much we can learn from these meals. They're, they're a picture of the grace of God, how, how God, um, you know, Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes and invites people to the table to share a meal with him, and that is a picture of the relationship he desires, and we've seen how that invitation is extended from the worst of the worst the, the tax collectors to those who sought themselves the best of the best we know different the Pharisees and the multitudes and everybody in between And how he's been using it as a teaching dynamic, the idea of meals and and, uh, um, all the things that we've we've seen there and and, uh, how how much he loves people and how how he wants people to be in relationship with him and how it's a picture of the kingdom and how he he teaches about the kingdom and he demonstrates the kingdom and he invites them into the kingdom and, and we've watched this all the way through the process and I've, I've said to you all along, you know, before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork and things started changing and I hope you remember that as we finish um, the, the series today because we're going to wind it up today. Um, and you know, last week I said to you that the church and we looked at the meals that Jesus had after the resurrection and I said there's a pattern that's established here from from those meals and into the early church where the disciples, they got together and Jesus showed up. And the scriptures were taught and shared and they had a meal. And that this was the pattern and we can see it happening throughout. And I, I sort of, you know, said to everybody, I hope that you, that helps sort of connect why we do some of the things that we do here. That's our heart. We think that's the model of the church. That that the church, you know, that, that believers got together. And, and of course, everybody was invited uh, to the table as well. Everybody was invited in um, from, the, from the tax collectors to the ferry, Everybody's invited to join the table with the disciples. Um, that we know from the proof of scripture and from the truth of scripture that Jesus when we get together he's here with us he's here the scriptures are always read and shared and we share a meal it's what we do we do it on purpose we do it as we think that's what happens and there's something about the context of meal being shared and I said this last week that allows us to be a people of mission there's something about how God takes something so natural and supernaturally uses it to be a a great ton, a great context for presenting the gospel message, the good news, and we, we talked about that together last week. And so uh, today I'm going to try and tie it all in, uh, this, this whole process, and, and uh, I think it's very fascinating, the whole, the whole deal, Meals with Jesus, so we're going to try it, tie it all together in uh, and, and just a moment as we, as we finish up. Okay, that's the intro, transition, there's always a bad joke. Um, uh, Want to hear a pizza joke? Nah, now nah, that one's too cheesy, so how 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 about a, a construction joke? No, nah, I'm still working on that one. maybe oh, did you hear did you hear the one about the rope? Ah let's just skip it. Did you like those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout this series, I said you know a lot of the Jesus was looking it was a lot of the whole series at the table he was talking about. For chapter after chapter, how he was on a search and rescue mission, and things were lost, you know, and he went searching lost things, and when they were found, they were celebrated. Just, uh, you know, why do you why, why do you always find things in the last place that you look? Duh. Oh, never mind. Okay, scripture reading here on purpose. I should have probably just stayed with the other three and Psalm one hundred seven, beginning in verse one: Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this those he redeemed from the land of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let they give let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things blessed be the word of uh, the Lord so as I said last week we were talking uh, and I, I said to you you know, that the table the meal um, it's a great context for community and also for mission and for you know it, it really stirs things up for the presenting of the gospel um, beyond that Food, and I think this is fact, food is central to who we are. It's central to how we relate to God. And it's also central to the story of salvation. And so it's, it's not by accident that Jesus was having these meals. And they, they have significant meaning in the kingdom and all that it means for us. First thing um, that I, I think we should all know is that food reminds us ultimately of our dependence ultimately on God. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so um, we're we're dependent on God. We're also dependent on one another. Uh, And we live in a culture, however, that tells us that what we need to be is fiercely independent. We need to, to get ourselves set up so we don't need anybody or anything. And unfortunately, uh, in our particular culture, a lot of people try and live that way. Like, like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're proud of their independence. And, uh, and yet, we're wired... For a measure of dependence, um, we're, we are wired to be dependent on God. We're wired to be dependent on one another. It's really where we find life. When we, when we go that other route, that independent route, we, we tend to become very selfish, very self-focused, very self-centered, and um, we'll, we'll take um, credit... For anything that we accomplish rather than understanding that everything that we are able to accomplish um, uh, in, in this walk is because of Him. And um, food is, is actually a constant reminder of this dependence both on God and others. Um, For example, um, when you think about it, it really reminds us of our dependence on other people because um, ultimately we are tied into a network of of farmers and and, uh, fishermen and traders uh, and grocery stores uh, and, and cooks and families and traditions that, you know, our food, when you think about it, is all sort of interrelated into these things. We depend on these things. Like, you know, not, most of us are not harvesting all our own food. I would just say that from, from the group here. Now, you might go out and catch some fish, and that's cool, but that's not all you're eating, and that might be great. But, but you know, ultimately, we, we sort of, I don't know about you, I'm crazy dependent on Winn-Dixie. I would be extremely hungry apart from the relationship that I have with Win dixie And people always, because I talk about Win dixie if you've ever been here, you know it's one of my favorite store gathering grounds, and why wouldn't it be? It's, you know, it's, a, it's really important. And so when I go there, I always want to treat people really well. These people are very important to me. I, I really need the place to stay open. <laughs> I need it to be staffed effectively, and they should be happy because I don't want them to leave, because... I want to be able to go and pick up my groceries and pay them people their money and make everybody as happy as I can and move along. Because I understand how important it is. I do not want to have to go out and grow all this stuff myself or hunt it all down or butcher it or do anything. I just don't want to do that. I like to go, here's my stuff. It's air conditioned. Sometimes it's too cold in there. Fascinating, really, when you think about it. Pick up my stuff. Here we go. Here's your money. I'm off. I, I, need, I know that I need God for, you know, to provide for me so I can do those things. So I sort of get the idea of how dependent I am on all sorts of people and also ultimately it's always about God who provides everything for me and and yet think about how fascinating this is with food and, and with God in food see um, uh, our bodies need fuel we need to eat we, we're created that way we need sustenance we need a certain amount of food in order to survive but food is, is so much more than fuel I always think about how cool God is um, in... Uh, in this, you know, I mean, he could have made it so that all we really needed to eat was tofu and that would have been it. And and we would have just ate, eat, eaten... No, I'm not picking on tofu, although it's not one of my favorites. Um, and you can make tofu taste like a lot of other things, but you wouldn't if you didn't know that there was other things you could make it taste like. Like if you didn't know, you could, bar- you know, drown it in barbecue sauce, you might not... You, you know what I mean? And if it didn't make any difference anyway, why would you? Um, and And you would just... Just, I just need fuel. But God is so amazing that he made food so much more than that. And, and um, he's, he's ridiculously lavish in his creativity and his generosity. And, and you need to see that about God. He does that for our benefit. And, and his, the first act, after, God's first act after creating humanity was to present us with a menu. I love this. And at first the menu was the fruit of all the trees in the garden. In Genesis 1, 29 and 30, says, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has a breast of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. So that's how it started. Nice, nice sort of meal to get the palate going. Um, you know, fruits, veggies, all sorts of wonderful things. There for you. Now later on, God tells Noah that that He's going to, uh, you know, open up the uh, the the menu. Genesis nine three. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Everything, everything means everything. Uh, just as I give you the green plants, I now give you everything. Genesis chapter nine verse three. Now, uh, a little later on, Moses, God is going to have Moses introduce, when he introduces the laws, he's going to introduce some dietary laws as well. And um, these would be very strict rules for the people of Israel. And people always go, oh, but you know, uh, um, uh, the, the law in effect was given so people would realize that they can't follow the rules well enough, they needed a savior and it would happen the same thing in the dietary laws. But when Jesus comes, he really does clear this up again, once and for all. In Mark 7, 18 and 19, he says, Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Pretty big step. That was the Jesus, the creator of all things opened it all back up again. Peter sort of um, gives us a vision of it again when the sheet comes in and everything's in there to eat. Food is opened back up again and and it's because of God's goodness and faithfulness and his amazing uh, movement towards us. And I'm not saying... You know, how, however you... Uh, people eat all sorts of different ways. That's cool. Enjoy it. The thing is, though, that, that it was it was meant for us to enjoy. It's, it's God's goodness to us. It's a gift to us. And, um, you know, it's, it should be one of the reasons why... Um, you know, we even, we remember to say grace at dinner time when we're thanking God. We're, we're thanking Him, you know, and we do it, we always, we have a tendency culturally to do it before a meal, um, which is fine, as long as you're doing it. Right? But, you know, but, you know, in the old, te- they would always do it after the meal. Um, and it would be, you know, it would be more about how amazing God is and that He's the one who provides everything and we're to remember that. But think too about, you know, uh, how how food is like such an opportunity for human creativity. And God was into that. You know, kids, have you, you ever see? there's all these food shows on now? You, you know about that? And, and like whole channels for food. And there's food can be pretty fantastic. My wife is a really good cook. She makes food. She's really good. And I appreciate that. And she does it because she, she enjoys it. And it shows her creativity. And and maybe you do the same thing when you cook. You know, you don't just make the same thing. I sort of do the same thing meal after meal. And and, and so I'm so blessed that my wife is there. Because, you know, for me, I just... I just I I tend to get into a rut a little bit. So I get a bag of salad for lunch every day from the Wind Dixie. Boom. <laughs> I'm good. Um so, so it's this amazing thing. Now, here's fascinating though. Point two. Food is also at the heart of our rejection of God. This this I think is wild. Genesis three, six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The very fall of man was by eating. I don't know if you ever made that connection before. Eating was the first, the first sin that we got into. The first way we got into trouble was eating something. The one thing we were told not to eat. Don't eat that. And eating got us into trouble. And so the very first act of rebellion was an act of eating, and I, I think that's fascinating. And, and ever since then, um, our relationship with food often goes wrong because our relationship with God has gone wrong. And so, you know, if you're like me sometimes, you, you might tend to find comfort in food rather than in God where you know it's something that, that uh, I have to deal with you know in, in my whole life um, uh, often we'll use food or avoid food to, to make ourselves you know desirable in some way to others we'll you know um, uh, all sorts of ways we, we try and um, maybe you know if you, sometimes people will try and manipulate you with food or get you to do things and all sorts of other stuff and, and you know our fractured relationships with food sometimes and our you know we, we, we hold on to it sometimes in, in sort of ways that, we, that less than trustworthy and what God will do um, and because of that sometimes parts of the world go without food uh, and so um, it, it's really no surprise I think that, that our brokenness shows up in our relationship to food fascinating when you tie all this together so, so here's what's happening is that we, it's, a, it's at the heart of our, our, our rebellion as well As well as, you know, this whole picture. And and through it all, point three is God promises a feast. Over and over again, God promises a feast for us. And so, um, uh, over and over again in the Bible, salvation is, is really pictured, this life that we have with him is pictured as a feast with God. And verse after verse throughout the Old Testament, let me read some to you. You know, when God leads the Israelites out of Egypt... The leaders were invited for a meal, Exodus 24, 9 through 11. Moses and Aaron, uh, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. Big meal with God. Um, uh, the, the whole rescue from bondage in Egypt, really the defining act of the identity of Israel, is commemorated in a meal known as the Passover. Most of you know that. Exodus twelve eight And following that same night, they're to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you have to burn it. This is how you're to eat it, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. Here's another whole meal. It's picturing all that God is doing to set us free. At the high point of Israel's history, you know, the, the reign of Solomon, um, the, uh, uh, 1 Kings 4.20, the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they ate and they drank and they were happy. It was a picture of the, the high point of the kingdom. And even as things began to unravel, as God's people had, you know, basically rejected him completely and, and exile was upon them in the time of the prophet Isaiah uh, five six. on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And on this mountain he'll destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He'll swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and he'll remove the disgrace of the people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. At this meal, when, when, even when things aren't going well, it's a picture of the eternal feast when, when God will swallow up death himself. and, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a meal. It's a Feast that no one ever has to leave um, you know when we studied the book of Luke we looked at the, the feeding of the multitudes uh, and, and the, the, the 5,000 and that was a picture of the eternal feast because um, and there's food and everybody eats and at the end there's more food than they started with it's a it's a picture of this whole eternal feast of the the one that we're promised at the wedding supper of the lamb revelation 19 7 and 9 uh, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb is come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous act of the saint. The angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And they added, these are the true words of God. So there's something about these meals that we've looked at that represent more than, than a meal. They, they really represent God's coming kingdom. But at the same time, see, what's so great is that they're they're. they're they have reality and substance. They're, they're, they're sort of the real thing in miniature. You need to think about what's taking place. Um, food is, is more than ideas. It's actual stuff. It's, it's something you, you put in your mouth. It's something you taste. It's something you eat. And it's, it's a reminder of what God has done for us and and what's taking place in our lives and how he's taken the very thing that that was the the heart of uh, the heart of our rebellion and he's redeeming it and saying come to the table and eat the way that you're supposed to with me forever and ever yet this invitation comes at a price it comes at the price of the blood of Jesus and and you know so we 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 we're invited but we you know we're out, outsiders we're enemies we're excluded but Jesus taking the judgment we deserve um, he becomes sort of the ultimate outsider pushed out onto the cross by, by the people, forsaken. And, and yet through what he does, we, we, are, we become insiders. We become friends. We become included. And this meal, this, this invitation of the meal is for everybody. And it's amazing how God ties it all together. And, and what's taking place. My, my hope is at the end of this thing that, that you would never sit down to a meal the same way again. That, that every time you sit for a meal, no matter how quickly you're eating, no matter if you're choking down something that you just grabbed through the drive through no matter what, you would never again just kind of take it and shove it in. You would always think about how amazing God is and what He's done. And that it's a, it's a, every time that we eat, it's a reminder of the goodness of God to us and what He's done for us and, and ultimately how He's invited us to this everlasting meal that everybody's invited and all we have to do is say Yes. And and you know accept what he's done for us and the, how he's made it possible to us, and and it's no accident that that you know the, the heart of what it means to be the church is a meal. It's, it's not by accident that that you know I, I said that that communion we've reduced communion to something, and it's, I'm not picking on communion. We do it here all the time. I love communion, but communion was always much bigger. It was always that whole thing. It was a meal. It was the whole deal of people to getting together, and that was the heart of the church. And it's on purpose. It wasn't an afterthought or an accident. So people would remember and they would think about, you know, how, how food was at the, the heart of the rebellion, but, but God is redeeming it. Don't you love how God redeems things? And how he brings things that even were a mess and redeems them as we just turn to him? And so, you know, I said this last week and I want to close with it. The, one of the neatest things I think about, the whole idea of, of his ability to use meals to draw people into the kingdom. And then his desire that, that we would do the same thing is how it includes everybody. And that, that you know, that we don't have to be able to explain everything or, or hold a crowd with, you know, really eloquent speeches. All we have to do is be a people who eat and love Jesus. That's it. And you're a missionary. You're, you're a purpose. You're, you have mission. That's it. And I think everybody qualifies. Everybody in the room eats. I hope everybody loves Jesus. If you don't love Jesus yet, we'll start loving Jesus and then you go from there. But that's the heart of it all. And, and that's what's demonstrated at the meal. So my, again, my hope is that, you know, 15 weeks we spent on that. But you would always connect that. Wow, how amazing is God? How, how redemptive is God? That he takes the very thing that it was the core of our separation from him and he redeems it and makes it the very picture of life with him forever. And that that's what we see. And that every time you sit and have a meal, think about those things. Because it's an amazing deal. And God is an amazing God. And that's all I have to say about that. That ends another series. If you're watching by video, thank you for doing that. We appreciate you. Hope you can come and visit soon. If you need prayer, go to the website. And uh, we will pray for you.